Hey, Rip City, this is Nasir Little, and it's time to open the briefcase with Casey Hodal. Greetings, Blizzard fans, and welcome to The Briefcase, episode 38 of The Briefcase. I am your host, Casey Hodal, and after much speculation that it was in the works, the Trailblazers announced Wednesday morning that they are starting a G League affiliate, which is technically an expansion franchise, in time for the upcoming 2023-24 season that will play at the Child Center at the University of Portland up on the peninsula. We'll talk to Dwayne Hankins, Trailblazers president of basketball operations, about Portland's heretofore unnamed G League team, and we'll take a quick look at what has been an exciting first round of the NBA playoffs on this edition of The Briefcase. Before we get into discussing the Trailblazers' second foray into having a single affiliation G League team, let's do a quick update on where the first round of the NBA playoffs stand after a week and a half of games. There's been ample trash talk, suspensions, and multiple upsets, some of the historic variety, all of which have resulted in a first round that seemed to be drawing more attention than I can remember at any time in recent history. It's great for the league, you just wish the Trailblazers were involved in it. So first, the Western Conference. Both the one-seed Nuggets and the four-seed Suns are through to the second round by way of winning the respective series 4-1, aka the Gentleman's Sweep. The Timberwolves' lone win versus the Nuggets came in Game 4, while the Clippers, who were without Paul George for the entire series and Kawhi Leonard for the final two games of the series, took Game 1 before losing four straight to the Suns. The Nuggets will now host the Suns in Game 1 of this second round series, which begins Saturday in Denver. Next up, after dropping the first two games of the series, the 6-seed Warriors have won 3 straight to take a 3-2 lead versus the 3-seed Kings despite Draymond Green being suspended for Game 3. Feels like the Kings missed their chance to win this series. They probably needed to win Game 3 with Draymond out, though losing Game 4 by a single point was probably more demoralizing. And with De'Aaron Fox playing with a broken finger, the prospect of the Kings advancing past the defending champs seemed to be getting less and less likely. I didn't think this was going to be an especially competitive series anyways. I thought the Warriors would easily advance, so a lot of respect to the Kings as it is, but in the playoffs you have to capitalize on opportunities when you get them, and the Kings simply did not. Sacramento, a team without much playoff experience to rely on, now faces an elimination game at Chase Center on Friday night, tip-off scheduled for 5pm on ESPN. The two-seed Grizzlies extended their season by winning Game 5 versus the seven-seed Lakers in Memphis Wednesday night, though now they face an elimination game in Los Angeles on Friday. It seemed like Memphis figured out a few things in Game 5, and neither John Morant nor Dylan Brooks said anything that will bring on undue attention going into Game 6. Little piece of advice, guys. Successful teams in the playoff tend to limit distractions, not create more distractions. Though the Grizzlies haven't won a game versus the Lakers in Los Angeles in over a year. If the Grizzlies can change their fortunes, I think they may win the series, But my guess is LeBron and the Lakers close this one out on Friday, tip-off scheduled for 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. As for the Eastern Conference side of the playoff table, the big news out of the East is the 8-seed Heat, a team that lost to the Hawks at home in their first playing game, closed out the 1-seed Bucks 4-1 thanks almost entirely to the play of Jimmy Butler, who has hands down been the best player in the 2023 postseason so far. The Heat took Game 1 in Milwaukee, the Bucks bounced back to win Game 2 without Giannis, but then dropped the last three including Game 5 in Milwaukee, to become just the 6-1 seed to lose to an 8 seed in the first round. Obviously, Giannis's injuries sustained in Game 1 played a huge role, but the Bucks looked like a bunch of guys who had never played with each other in the fourth quarter and overtime of Game 5. Finishing your season with Grayson Allen trying to Eurostep his way to a game-tying layup as time expires, despite having two timeouts, is a rough way to go out. You wonder what's in store for that Bucks team after losing in the second round last year and the first round this year. Continuing on, the five-seed Knicks, thanks in good part to our good friend Josh Hart, bested the four-seed Cavaliers 4-1 in a series that didn't end up being all that close. Jalen Brunson has come into his own as an elite playoff performer. Mitchell Robinson outplayed both Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, and Hart provided the toughness, perimeter defense, and rebounding that teams need come playoff time. 
While the Knicks certainly earned this series win, people might have been a bit too quick to anoint this Cavs team with Donovan Mitchell, who shot 47% from the field, 29% from three, and 72% from the free throw line in this series as a postseason contender. It's one thing to be an elite defensive team during the regular season, but once the playoffs come around, if you have guys on the floor who are primarily defensive players who cannot score, if you have multiple players on the floor like that, you're going to come into problems come playoff time. There's a reason why a lot of those traditional big men get played off the floor during the playoffs. So with both the Bucks and the Cavaliers eliminated, the Knicks will now host the Heat in Game 1 of the second round series starting on Sunday at 10 a.m. on ABC, which makes perfect sense. You got an old school Eastern Conference playoff matchup between the Heat and the Knicks. Might as well take it old school with an early morning game on ABC. As for the only sweep in the playoffs, the three-seed 76ers easily got past the six-seed Brooklyn Nets 4-0. Not a whole lot to say about this series other than the iteration of the Nets that finished the 2022-23 season is likely not a team that would have made the postseason had they been together all year long. And finally, the seven-seed Hawks kept their postseason going with a win versus the two-seed Celtics in Game 5 in Boston. The Celtics still have a 3-2 lead with Game 6 to be held Thursday night in Atlanta on TNT. I suspect Boston will end up winning this series, but the longer they drag it out, the more time Joel Embiid and the Sixers will have to heal up before facing off in the second round. Well, with the past out of the way, let's go ahead and hear from Dwayne Hankins, Trailblazers President of Basketball Operations, about the future. Hankins, who has been my boss in one fashion or another since he joined the organization roughly a decade ago, came on to discuss the news that Trailblazers have acquired the rights to start up a G League franchise. Hankins discusses the reasons for starting up an expansion G League franchise after going without for so long, the benefits for both the basketball and business sides of the organization, the relationship with the University of Portland where the games will be played, the viability of having another basketball team in town, next steps, and when we might expect to find out the name and the associated branding of this new team. Let's go ahead and hear from Dwayne. Well, we were joined by Dwayne Hankins, president of business operations for the Trailblazers, to talk about Portland's new G League team, the currently yet named G League team. Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Casey. Happy to finally be on the show. I mean, obviously, I've done other interviews for the briefcase before, but I think this is the first one where I think I've gone into it specifically to do it for the podcast. So we're really uh, we're breaking ground here. This is awesome. I'm excited. So obviously, uh, news today that the the Trailblazers. Uh, entering into a single affiliate agreement for a G League team. Uh, they're going to play in North Portland at the Child Center on University of Portland, which I love because it's one, it's a great venue, and two, it's very near my home, which I, I appreciate the uh, the team considering that when making that decision. I'm sure it was one of our factors for sure. I know it wasn't like the top factor, but I figured like, I, I bet I was in the top 10, maybe somewhere like unlocking the North Portland community, maybe just outside of me, I think it's a, it's an astute business move. So kudos there, Dwayne. So obviously the, the team did have a single affiliate G League team in Idaho, didn't really work out, haven't, hasn't had one since. So Dwayne, kind of what are the, the reasons for, for having a G League affiliate now? I think obviously to help us compete and get towards a place where we can compete for championships and develop players. I mean, that's that's truly the reason behind it. That's why we're excited about it. You know, Joe and I had conversations kind of going back when he first got the job on a full-time basis. And we said, you know, it really makes sense for us to do this. This would be sort of the next level for us. And, you know, those conversations really picked up speed in November, you know, starting to bring, you know, Jody Allen, our owner, in on the conversation. And she was incredibly supportive of the opportunity. It'll be obviously an expansion franchise. So it's new to the association. It'll be the 31st G League team. So we're an expansion team, if you were. I think it's an incredible opportunity. And um, 
you know, from the from the basketball side, like I said, it's about that. And then from the business side, I think it's bringing fans to that great North Portland neighborhood that you're talking about and creating a family friendly, fun environment for people to go and see basketball. Not dissimilar to what you would see with like the Hillsborough Hops or something like that, right? Like we really want to invest in the game experience side of it as well for our fans. You talk about investment. What does it say about the team's investment in the community and just in the basketball in general? An expansion team, a G League team is, it's a pretty big lift. There's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of, of resources that go into that. You know, it's interesting. You go back in the timeline, you know, Paul passes away in, I think it's October of, of 2018 and Jody starts her, her sort of ownership of the team. And it's not really long after that, you know, we make the Western Conference Finals. That seems great. We start our 50th anniversary season, which you know couldn't have gone <clears throat> couldn't have gone better, except we go right into a pandemic, right? And so then we have these two or three years where I think every organization is just trying to figure it out and get through it. And we're finally out of that phase where we can start thinking about the future and start thinking about where things are headed. Low-hanging fruit here was was G League. Like we really need to get better, and we were tired of um, giving our team, our players, to other teams so that they can get a look at it. We want to have our own G League team, so that was the first step. And yeah, I think to have it in Portland, obviously, it meant a lot to our basketball team to have their G League team in their backyard. I think that is really important. And and when we've talked to other teams with G League teams, they've said that that's incredibly important for the camaraderie, for the practicing with the big team, and all those reasons. But I think for us, it's investing in this community. You know, we we have you know, millions of visitors every year that come to the Rose Quarter for concerts and, and games and events. And to be able to bring a little bit of that to North Portland at the at the Child Center, which we've had a great partnership over the last few years, is, is pretty great. And, and it's just kind of planting our flag again in Portland and saying this is an incredible place for sports and for entertainment. You talk about proximity, and I think from the basketball perspective, it's fairly obvious. You talk about practicing with the big team, and you're able to send guys down and then bring them back up without it being an onerous process of of getting to and from. And you talk about you know having guys in your own building and not having to rely on other teams and other staffs developing your own players. But from a business perspective, what are the benefits of having a G League team so close from from the business side? I think similar to the basketball side, you know, we're we're going to see it as a place to develop staff. We, we see it as an opportunity to develop people, people that are either already or, in our organization who are looking for the next big change in their career or people outside the organization who we hope to one day have as, as Blazers employees. I think you look at things like the broadcast, right? We've done a lot of different things this year with our broadcast. What kinds of things can we try in our G League broadcast that would be really interesting to do that we could then, you know, someday bring to the to the big league broadcast? You know, we have our our esports team, our Blazer Five Gaming, and we did a docu series with them the year before we did the trail. And it really helped us be able to prepare for how to do that with the big league team. And so when we did the trail this year. We did it with the experience of having done it with Blazer 5. So I, I sort of see it as similar to that. And when you have the same staff sort of working on both or, or similar staff working on both projects, you get some real opportunity to, to sort of see this as, as a test lab, if it were, an innovation. And I've just always believed, you know, I've been in this market 10 years and people have supported the Blazers in tough times and in good times. You see it next door with the Winterhawks, uh, tons of support there for that team, the Hops. I just think this city and the Timbers and, and Thorns as well. And I just think this city is certainly capable of supporting a team and it doesn't need to be an hour, two, three hours away or not even in the state. Like I think it can work here. It, it's going to be at UP at the Child Center. What's, what's that partnership been like with the University of Portland? 
It's been really great. They have been an incredible partner of ours for the last couple of years. We've had a couple of really huge college basketball tournaments there in the last five years. And they've been a great partner. And when you look at the venue size, it sort of fits into that Goldilocks zone of being just enough seats to be a perfect environment if you can get it sold out. And, you know, we, obviously you could look at the Coliseum, but and it's a big venue, like probably too big. And there's been other venues we've looked at that might be too small. So we just think the environment in that building is incredible and, and think it'll be a great spot for G League. It also seems too like just having, you know, if they're playing at Memorial Coliseum, it's almost like it's just like an, I mean, I guess it is an offshoot of, of the team, but putting it at UP seems like it, it makes it feel kind of almost more like its own team a little bit. Yeah. I feel like we got this idea. I was talking to Sharif about it at the winter meetings in, in January. So that's how, how, how quick all this has come together. And he was mentioning that Cleveland we had a partnership with Cleveland State. And it just made sense that I said, oh, well, we should definitely look at schools in and around our area. And again, we already had a great established relationship with UP and they were very, they're just as excited as we are. So this is a great partnership. You, you kind of mentioned the process of getting the team to the point where we can make the announcement today. Can you discuss it all a little bit, kind of that timeline? I know that the Chris Stout's been working incredibly hard on it. And it seems like, again, having worked for a team for a while, you understand kind of the way things work and how long things generally take. It seems like that's a pretty impressive stand-up from talking in those meetings then to having a team playing in 23-24. For sure. I, I mean, for us, we didn't. We just saw it as a we didn't want to waste another year of not having a G League team. And so the priority became, how can we do this as soon as possible? And we know there will be a quick timeline, but we have, as you said, Chris has done some incredible work on it and worked hard. Once we got the idea across to Jody, once she approved it, we were really off and running. And it was conversations with the G League and it was conversations with, you know, University of Portland shortly after that to see how, if this, if this could fit and if it could fit to do it by the fall. And uh, everything came together really, really well, got through some of the hurdles that we needed to get through. And we're just excited to be able to do it in the fall because I think we have, we already have, I think, three picks in the upcoming draft right now with two first rounders in the second rounder. We've had players that we would have loved to have developed at our own team. And we just knew we needed to have it, you know, as soon as possible and got support from everywhere we needed to get it to get it done. It sounds like it, it kind of got to a point where it was like, hey, even if it's not exactly completely squared away, the benefits the team is going to get from having the team in whatever iteration seems like they, they vastly outweigh any kind of negatives about maybe we didn't have as much time as we would have liked. Yeah. I mean, I think if you were going to do it, uh, if you're going to launch a team, uh, you would always want, you know, a couple of years to you know get things right and, and, you know, build a season ticket base and build a sponsorship base and do all those things. And, you know, we will, we, we have great partners, we have great fans, we have a, a great brand. So I think there's a lot of things we're going to be able to, to, to tap into to make this successful from day one. But yeah, the goal is, you know, for us to, to, again, use this not just as a development opportunity, which of course is the number one most important thing, but also we do believe it's incredibly viable business as well. And you've seen some G League teams that have done a really good job of that and have really made a family-friendly, incredible experience for fans. And to be able to do that would be, you know, I, I think is the goal because there's just so much opportunity with people that maybe don't have the means or can't get to Blazers games. And these games maybe will be earlier in the day or these games will be, um, you know, obviously less expensive. So it just creates access to basketball in a way that's probably not available in our market right now. 
And the other thing that I was thinking about too, was that in covering this team for so long, like one of the things I always say about Blazer fans is they love young talent and they love to to follow the journey of young players. And with a G League team, it's like now you have an ability to do that even to the nth degree, like guys who maybe didn't get drafted in the first round. Or I think we've seen more and more in the NBA throughout the years that being a first round guy is obviously good, but like there's a lot of talent out there that, that might get overlooked. So now having an opportunity to have a place to put some of those players that, like you said, guys, that before the team really liked, but just didn't really have the organization in which to put them somewhere. Now that they have that, I think obviously that that's beneficial for the team, but I think our fans will really enjoy it as well because the fan base as a whole has always really been supportive of young players. Yeah, I hadn't thought about your point about how excited fans get about young talent. And so to be able to see them in the backyard, the way that they'll get to, I think will be exciting. I mean, if you had been able to watch guys like JBJ and Baji play on a G League team all year, you could see the things that Joe and his team see in the gym of how exciting they are and how great of a play, great of players he thinks they think they can develop into. So, yeah, I think that's a huge, it's a huge benefit, a huge perk. Again, we have such diehard fans. I do feel like there's going to be so many Blazers fans who are going to want to see those games and go there. And, you know, you can even see, imagine like a rehab stint of a player being playing there and like how, how cool would that be for fans to go see, you know, X player play at, on our G League team. So I, I just, yeah, and there's so many good benefits to having it sort of, like I said, in our backyard and in our community. And yeah, I think that's bringing up all sorts of ideas for me, Case. That's a really good point too. And something that the Brooke and, and I talked about on, on the Blazers balcony today was the notion that those kind of those rehab stints. And before mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you can't send a guy, a vet guy to Texas or to even <laughs> right. to Los Angeles to be like, hey, we want to get you some reps in because you're going to a team that's one, it's out of that player's comfort zone mm-hmm. Two, It's with a staff that doesn't know that player and already has kind of affinity for their own players. And three, just the idea that, wait, so we're trying to make one of our opponent's players better. How does that make sense for us? So, so that opportunity now to, to send a guy for a couple games, if he, he needs to get reps, I think it really speaks to also kind of the investment in the team's training staff and health and performance staff that, that giving them another tool in order to be able to, to give these guys some reps that is going to pay real dividends for this team. Yeah. hundred percent. The league is, they're really optimistic about the future of the G League. If you look back on the past of the G League, and obviously um, it, it it maybe had a you know a, a feeling about it or a brand tied to it. But you look at the alumni of the of players that have come out of the G League now, and you look at the development of, of players that have happened down there. Look at the fact that in the new CBA, there's another two way contracts, and now there's three potential players that could be sent back and forth. There's just so much opportunity to see this G League as as a real development pipeline for talent. And, you know, I think there was some I saw some stat yesterday. There's, there's only 60 draft picks and there's 240 guys who who have, I think was the number that have gone early eligible for the draft. So, you know, the, the idea that they can come here and play here. And as I've learned this from Joe, like there's there's these Exhibit 10 contracts and those other these six other guys that you can sign that, you know, are, are more bites at the apple, more opportunity to develop guys and, you know, eventually have them on your team someday and be, be key parts of a, of a rotation or a team. Obviously, that's going to be huge for the team going forward. Right. So so next steps, uh, as I mentioned, the team doesn't have a name yet, doesn't have branding yet. But when can we kind of maybe expect those things, Dwayne? And any uh, any insights you can give us on maybe the direction you guys are going in, in there? Uh, my insights <laughs> would say that obviously gonna we want to make sure people know that it's tied to the Blazers and and um, that the team you know the, the essentially these guys are going to go on to have careers with the Blazers. So 
we'll make sure there's some there's some tie in there, but we also want to have a little bit of fun with it. I think I think that's okay too. You see it a lot in, in minor league baseball and other other um, sports where there's opportunity to have a little bit of personality with that. We're down to some finalists. We're, we're I think we'll be ready to announce you know sometime in early summer what the name is, and that'll be an exciting time as well. And then from there, you know, once you get the branding down and the uniforms, um, you know, selling tickets and sponsorships, and and hoping they're playing in uh, as full of a building as they can come the fall. So there you go. Dwayne Hankins' thoughts on bringing a G League franchise to Portland. Very interesting stuff. I know fans have been clamoring for a G League team for years now, so getting this done, even with some of the details still to be ironed out, is undoubtedly a good step for the organization. And as a North Portlander, as I mentioned, I appreciate them putting the team just a stone's throw away from my home. It's going to be very helpful for me. I plan on attending quite a few of those games, either covering the games or simply watching as a fan, which I don't get to do a whole lot these days. So doing that in the G League would be a good option there too. The other thing about the G League as well is, obviously that's something we're going to be talking about all off-season long here on the Briefcase and on the Blazers Balcony as well, but it also adds another element to some of the other things that happen during the off-season, particularly pre-draft and summer league. It used to be you'd bring in guys for summer league, they might look good on your summer league team. If you had an open two-way spot, maybe you sign one of those guys to that, but otherwise you basically just got to cut those guys loose even though you feel like there's maybe something there. Now with a G League team, not only do you have a place to put guys who you obviously draft and maybe need a little more time to develop, but you also have a place now for the guys who you like, who you didn't draft, who maybe played on your summer league team, who you want to keep in the organization, who you want to continue to develop, but you don't necessarily have a exclusive NBA roster spot for them. Having a G League team opens that up. So what I'm saying there is that now Summer League and Pre-Draft, I think it's a whole lot more interesting, a whole lot more exciting for Blazer fans now that the team does have a G League team to rely on, to put players somewhere where they can continue to improve, where they can develop those players, where they can develop their own staffs. Obviously, they're still going to need to hire a coaching staff. It sounds like Mike Schmitz is going to handle the personnel side of the G League team, while Chris Stout, who I mentioned there in the interview with Dwayne, is going to handle the business side of things. So really just opens up a lot of different options to keep players around who you liked in pre-draft but didn't draft, who you liked in summer league but couldn't keep on, and allows you to take a chance on guys who maybe have specific skills that you really want to hone, who might just not be ready to play NBA games just yet. In the end, you can debate how much a G League team is going to help any organization, but what is not debatable is the fact that it doesn't take away from anything. You're much better off with a G League team than without a G League team. There's really no debating that. Well, that will do it for this edition of The Briefcase. Please subscribe to both this podcast and The Blazers Balcony as it's the best way to stay up to date on when new episodes drop during the offseason. Thanks so much for joining me on this edition. I am Casey Holdall. Go Blazers! Go Blazers!